Hey, what's up, Blazer fans? Welcome to the Zach Collins edition of the Blazer's Edge podcast. I'm Team Mom, that's Tara Bowen Biggs, and he is Blazer's outsider, Danny Meringue. We have much to talk about today. Do we? Do we have much to talk about? Because I'm just sitting here. There's really not a whole lot going on. Things are Maybe pretty you're unfamiliar standard. with the um, feeling. Yeah, of... no, no, it's, it's pretty standard right now. Pretty standard stuff. Blazer's just going about business and... Things are going well with the Blazers, Dan. It's okay they, to say it out loud. No, no. I, in are, my opinion, they're, just, they're 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 going. That's all. Not, can't 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 jinx I anything. I think that you are underplaying the uh, how much the Blazers have come on since the beginning of, course of I'm this year. This. Are you kidding me? <laughs> are you are you happy inside, Dan? You know, I mean, this you're just trying to cover it up. No, I mean, by being legitimately, cool? this is this has been the most enjoyable run probably in a while. The whole Nurk fever thing last year was good, but the team as a whole wasn't playing nearly as good as they are playing right now. And I think the biggest part of it has been what Damian Lloyd's been able to do over the past, really since the beginning of the new year. Um, new year, new Dame, you know, hashtag, um, but I would say that Damien is a big part of it, but I do not think that he is the only part of it. I think, no, 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 I think there's, there's certainly has others. Been good all along. It's that the role players are starting to, um, play, to play to their roles. Yeah, no, imagine so, that role players are actually playing roles, but I think that the biggest part of that is that Damien has been so good. That is, if those guys, they, they, they almost have no excuse. If that makes any sense. Like, there, there's no rhyme or reason for them to not do what they need to be doing. And I think that the biggest part of that has been what Damian Loder has been able to accomplish. Like he's, he's legitimately elevated himself into like an MVP category. He's not going to win it, but he should definitely get some consideration as far as like third, fourth place votes, that kind of, that kind of deal. Uh, the all others concerned. Um, yes. He has moved himself into that conversation. And then I think that's what's allowed these other guys to, to do what they've been able to do. Like, when you have a guy that shows up that well and that much on every single night now, um, it's, it's kind of hard not to, to – if you're one of those guys like a Harkless or, uh, or a Zach Collins or uh, – I mean, he's probably been the most consistent guy not named Ed Davis this year. So yeah, I think he's getting it done. But Pat Condon's getting more minutes. Shabazz has kind of come back into form. So th- those, those things have been, been huge. But I think it all starts and ends with, with Dame. But certainly I mean, we'll get to it. But there's certainly some other guys that are – that are doing a lot more, particularly um, last night with what Collins was able to accomplish in the, in the final couple minutes there in the fourth quarter. Yes. Let's, let's, let's recap what has been happening recently. So as I was thinking about what we should talk about today, one of my favorite quotations um, kept popping into my mind um, and it's by Roman general and philosopher Marcus Aurelius. Are you familiar with him? Shut up, big Marcus. (laughs) <laughs> well, one he said many things that I have taken to heart, but this the one that kept popping up today was things can change in a moment. And what that means to me is don't take anything for granted and enjoy it while it lasts. I and honestly thought I feel... you were going to go with hashtag Rip City on the ass. I, I, I figured that was a Marcus Aurelius quote. <laughs> Well, you know, Marcus Aurelius was um, a, a very wise man, So, and I haven't read all of his works, so I suppose if I dug into them, I may find Rip City on the ass in there somewhere. But that's not the one I was talking about. What I'm trying to get at <laughs> is, even though you want to keep changing the subject, I want to pause and I want to enjoy where the Blazers are right now, because... <sighs> 
It is, you know, as as we know, it's a brutal race in the West. I've I've actually taken a. I'm not even looking at the standings anymore. I've just decided there's no reason to look at the standings right now, because it's going to change every change. twelve hours. Like I mean, exactly. it's, that's, that's what it's going to be. That's that's the nature of it right now, and it's going to be crazy. Like if you're a national reporter, they could change three times in one night. Yeah, and that's the thing. Is like literally every like. There's there's obviously a lot of hyperbole around like every game matters dun 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 but no no kidding every game matters right now and yeah and every time there's just doesn't wait I don't want to waste my time looking at the standings no and it's gonna it's be just, one game here or one team here or there like not every team is gonna keep winning not every team is gonna keep losing so you're gonna have a team that drops two of three here or wins four or five there and those runs are gonna be what ultimately decide this and if you're Portland. You've got to ride this hot stretch as much as you can because even as good as they're playing, they've still got stretches where they're playing against Houston and Golden State. Um, and those are going to be rough, rough games. And even, I mean, the Blazers are playing the Lakers who have won, what, five straight? Five in a row, yeah. And listen, I, I don't think that's going to be an issue. The Lonzo Ball's been playing better. I still don't think he's going to be the star that everyone hyped him up to be. But they're still playing better basketball. And if you're Portland, you have to look at them and you have to respect them because they're an NBA team, but you also have to go in there with a the mentality that I'm going to tear your throat out and there's nothing you can do about it because you're the damn Lakers. Right. Well, before we go into the games that are coming up, let's uh, recap what we have just seen out of the Trailblazers. They've won, like you said, the last five games. The last two were especially important because they were against division conference rivals. On Thursday night, the Blazers defeated the Timberwolves, who were without Jimmy Butler, 108-99. Yeah, but it held them under 100, which is always great. Uh, Damian Lillard had 35 points. Aminu and Davis both had double-doubles. The Timberwolves were led by Carl Anthony Towns, no big surprise, who had 34. Andrew Wiggins had 21. And significant to the Blazers, Maurice Harkless left the game with a non-contact injury. Um, despite a very cold start from Damian Lord, he went 0 for 7 in the first quarter. The Blazers were still able to hold the Timberwolves under 100, which I think is always a great night. Uh, and then on Saturday, the Blazers defeated the Oklahoma City Thunder. Carmelo Anthony mysteriously rested for that game. C.J. McCollum was the leading scorer for the Trailblazers with 28 points. There were 18 lead changes, and the Blazers finally got ahead about half of the way through and kept the lead, or halfway through the third and kept the lead. It wasn't an easy finish, and they had contributions from many players, like Shabazz, Pat Connaughton, and Ed Davis, of course. But it was rookie Zach Collins who got all the attention. He had a career-high 12 points, five rebounds, and two blocks. He played meaningful minutes to close out the game. And after the victory, he had his first walk-off interview, which I have to say, he did an excellent job. So where do you want to start? Uh, I mean, let's take a look at the, these games here real quick. And I, again, I, I can't highlight enough, but because but I'm going to try. Daniel Lillard started off 0 for 7 in a game against Minnesota and ended up with 35 points. Yeah, <laughs> that's the most ridiculous thing I think I've seen this season from him. And he's had some absolutely astounding games this year. Um, but to start that bad, and I don't want to talk about the bad too much, but he looked awful. And it wasn't just 0 for 7, like he's just not hitting shots. He's rattling out free throws, barely making some of them. I mean, he missed the technical, and then he had the uh, 
went to the line for two and missed the, the front end of that and then rattled in the second. It was like, good God, what is wrong with him? As I talked about it on Twitter, it was like the monster stole his talent. It just, it just, it did, it looked nothing like Damian Lillard. Like, it almost, like, it was at the point where I figured that, like, is he worried, like, or is, is, is the fact that he's got a kid due soon, is that, is that weighing on his mind or something right now? Because, um, I mean, it just didn't look like him. And then he comes out, and I think he ended up going, like, 9 of 12 to close out the game, and just absolutely took over. That is a superstar takeover to do that. And obviously things are drifting out there probably with Jimmy Butler because not only is Butler's offense, you know, been spectacular for the Timberwolves, it's his defense. Then you've got to go against a lineup that is just drastically bigger. Jimmy Butler mm-hmm. and Andrew Wiggins give you a ton of size, length, and versatility. And, and that makes it very difficult for a guy like Damian to probably get going. But the Blazers did what they needed to do and took over that game. The astounding thing to me on the other side of that is that Cat's got 34 points, and he, the last shot he took, I think, was like seven minutes remaining in the fourth quarter. He didn't get another shot. Was he, Who was guarding him for most of that game? Aminu. Was that Evan? Oh, it was Aminu. It was okay. Aminu was on him. Uh, he, he did a good job. Uh, some other guys. Turner played it, it, against him some, too. A little bit, but he, he sat mostly on Wiggins. Uh, Davis okay. um, closed out the, the fourth quarter, uh, I believe, in the final seven minutes on, on Cat. Um, but Aminu had him for, for the majority of the game. Um, but Davis did a spectacular job, and he doesn't get enough credit for that stuff. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, he gets credit for his defense, but not necessarily for the, the type of defense that he plays because Cat's a tough matchup. I mean, he's going to pull you outside. He can put the ball on the floor. Um, he can be physical with you. There's a lot of things that Cat can do. Cat man do. Hey. Uh-huh. Um, God, I hate myself for that. Um <laughs> For that of all things, it, okay. Yeah, I know. It's 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 it's, it's, the, it's the crappy jokes, the ones that don't land. Um, I have I have a lot of them. I know, but uh, <laughs> uh, it was it was a stellar effort across the board. Um, last night, you've got. And I think we're we're, we're obviously we're going to talk about Collins, but a guy who is going under the radar here, who really shouldn't be considering how much he struggled recently is Evan Turner. Mm-hmm. Evan Turner was three of four from three last night. That means three different times last night. I yelled at the TV screen. No, 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 no. Whoa. <laughs> yeah. All right. Evan hit the three. Oh God. Please don't take any more. <laughs> he kept taking them and making them. Um, he, he got it done. Uh, he made Paul Did he have George. more room last night because they left him out there all on his oh, own? Oh, God, they left him wide open. He was so wide Did, open. There, right. there was two guys last night that were left open to shoot, Evan Turner and Zach Collins. Evan's left mm-hmm. open because of the scouting report, and Zach's left open because nobody knows about him. Mm-hmm. And, and, yeah, he was he was two of two from three, which was great. He shows the potential to maybe have that shot be something that's there for him. Um, he still has a lot of mechanical stuff to work on uh, last night. When in, in general, Zach is the kind of shooter that mechanically there's a, there's a solid base to work with. Um, the problem is, is that his base, his feet, everything basically from the waist down or is what inhibits him from, from being effective at times when he just, is that because he doesn't have strength and just, he just doesn't have enough mass I, down there. Cause he's young and skinny. Uh, I think that's part of it. But I think the other part of it is, is he thinks about things, especially on the offensive end 
when he when you put Zach on, this is where where Collins is at his best. Um, we were all sitting around watching the game at the Spirit of Seventy Seven, and everybody was kind of talking about Collins. And the thing I said, listen, if you want to make Collins effective, you put him in a position where he doesn't have to make a decision. You make it for him. Like the the outlet pass to him when he was running the floor to to get the dunk late in the game. That that's a good spot for him. Giving mm-hmm. him the ball and saying go get a bucket is a stupid decision. Like we we've seen numerous times, like posting up Zach Collins is arguably the worst thing that the Blazers could do offensively. And I don't mean that to sound like detrimental to, to Collins. It's just it's not a good idea. That that's. It's, 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 it's a to give very, him the ball and and tell him to go create, yeah. It's, as it's, opposed to it, catching just and ran this play and this ball landed in your hands and now your next uh, thing to do is shoot it. Yeah, Here, here's you. You yeah. can be a play ender. That's fine. That, that's that's where he can excel. Uh, Turner has gotten um, a couple times where um, Turner and Collins particularly have have worked that lob, like. Turner has had some really great assists the last yeah. couple of games. And he, I've been saying all along that he was my main candidate for throwing the alley-oops. And you know, he's it's not going to be Dame. I'm very proud of him. <laughs> it's never going to be Dame. That's, that's just not – if you've listened to the podcast for long enough, I mean, that's something that we've critiqued Dame now for years. Um, and it's not that big of an issue, but I think that play in general, the lob play is so huge that um, as far as like what it means for energy and, and – uh, emotion for a team that those plays can be big and for Collins to be on the other end of that I think that's something he can do regularly and I think a guy like Turner who's constantly looking for it that's something that the Blazers should be looking to exploit um so that, that okay, again, I want to interrupt that, and say something about, about Col- I want to get back to what something you said about Collins about because I I think I disagree where you said on offense, he thinks too much. Okay. I, when I think about somebody who thinks too much, I think of bless his heart. We Go know we Myers. both love yeah. him, but you know, Myers, cause you can see everything turning around in his mind as he determines what it is the best thing for him to do in that situation. I do not see that type of hesitation and thinking through things from Collins. I, you know, he doesn't make every, um, he doesn't make every choice right every time by any means because give the guy a break. He's a rookie. Oh, yeah, but no, that's, when, that's he, the thing. when he goes to make a move, he does it without hesitation. There, well, th- th- again, when he goes to make a move, it's because you're making him make the move because you're putting him in a position where he j- the only thing is to do X. If there's multiple options on the table, he thinks about it and he freezes mm-hmm. and he ultimately, more often than not, makes the wrong decision. And that's just that's part of being a rookie, and a lot of those times they're they're putting him up in a post up position. I mean, yeah, I don't feel like he spends a ton of time in those positions. I think it happens maybe a couple of times a game. Do you yeah, feel like it, it happens it, more than that? Yeah, it happens I think a couple it happens times a game. A couple times a game, is, and that's what happens when you're a rookie and you're learning how no, to keep that, up with the speed of the game. That's that's not that's not speed of the game. He 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 should not be posting up at all. But that's and by that you mean. Like, like if, do you mean literally, like literally at all? The basket from I'm the not post, talking about catching the ball do you mean in the post. Being on the post with the ball, looking for what he's supposed to do with it. No, I'm talking about catching the ball in the post. It, it, it's it's okay. it's not ready in any way, shape, matter, form, or facet. The, the, the kid can develop it all he wants, work on it all damn summer, great. But every time he catches the ball in the post, it's almost a negative every single time. It's it's just not there. Whether it's catching and looking for a pass, catching and looking for a shot, catching and facing up, it's not good. 
It, it, well, it bears it out statistically across the board. It, I know that you like excellence and everybody should do everything exactly right and perfect every single time. And I definitely believe that there are, I mean, I last night there was a play where this you where exactly what you're talking about played out. And it was towards the end of the game. And it was a critical moment when the Blazers were only up, I don't know, like four or maybe six points where he had the ball and he made the pass and he passed it straight to the other team. So like, I mean, I, I get that, but he's not the only one on the team who's ever done that. No, but that, that, <laughs> that, just, that's the thing is like, and I don't want to make this like a bashing on Collins segment because he, he did a lot of great things last night, but I want to see him doing more things where, and I want to see the Blazers utilize this more where he's a play ender, not a creator, mm-hmm. not a decider here. Here's okay, the ball. Shoot. Here's the ball. Dunk. Like mm-hmm. he may have all those other things, but you're, you're putting in a position to, to fail. Right. If you're, if you're I, depending I like how on you that. say that as, as a play ender, because that could still be an assist if he's caught an assist in the middle, you know, of motion and play, because he's had a few nice little ones where he caught it and he dished it off. But like, basically that was the end of the play for him to get it to somebody to exactly. finish. Exactly. When you, um, when you, when you're it. getting him the ball and saying yeah, that create, sense. that's just, it's more often than not has ended in, and not just like ended like, Oh, that's not a good look. It, it's ended in terrible fashion. You know what I mean? It's, mm-hmm. it's, it's the train wreck fashion where I'm just like, God, that's nowhere close to being ready. However, yeah, when, he's, when he's running. Everything for you is the, either like the end of the world or like the most amazing thing you've ever seen. No, so no, come it's, on. It's not though. <laughs> the, the thing is like the, where, where you where you're, he's successful, like I said, the, 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 the run out play where he got the dunk, fantastic. Where the threes that he shot, they were catch and shoot. They weren't here, mm-hmm. let me catch, jab, step, face up, figure something out. They were catch and shoot threes. Mm-hmm. They're very, very, very simple plays. Like he's got a nice fundamental skill set. I don't. I still can't pinpoint what he's going to do night in, night out, as far as like an NBA level skill outside of being long and being aggressive defensively. But there's things that you can certainly see that again, being a play ender, that could be something that he's valuable for. And it's, it's very much the same uh, uh, essence of Ed Davis. Ed Davis, if you give him the ball and tell him to go post up and go to work. Eh, you're getting a left-handed baby hook. You know what's coming. So, <laughs> but Ed Davis, who's catching the ball underneath the rim and drop stepping and dunking, that's play ender Ed Davis. That that that's fine. And I think Collins is very much in the same vein. And defensively, um, last night I thought he was spectacular. Uh, yeah, let's talk about his defense. Okay, let, let me let me caveat this just because again, I, the reason I want to kind of temper expectations on Collins is one, he's a rookie. Two, I think people are getting way too excited about what he's doing. Yes, he had a great game last night. It was fantastic. He did a lot of really nice things. It was still 12 and 5. Mm-hmm. This, this, this wasn't like an outworldly like 30 and 15 night. But he did impact the game in ways that weren't measured in the box score, which are things that I like. But here's the, here's the caveat when it comes to Collins last night. Defensively, who did he have to guard? I don't answer your rhetorical question. I don't answer your questions anymore because I'm not that fast. But I mean, if I was think about that in general, my, my impersonation of you is who was he going to guard? No, no, I, I'm asking who, who how was, many people have ever done that? How many people have ever done what? Huh? 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 I don't know. Huh? I'm just asking random Dan questions. No, but the, like, here, just, again, here, the, don't this, quiz this me. Just tell me. This, I mean, I, I'm, I'm trying to get everybody, everybody who's listening to think about this real quick. Who did he have to guard last night? Who at that power forward position is a real threat for Portland that you have to worry about with Carmelo out? 
And that and that's that's the, the, the kind of the crux of what I think the springboard, if you will, for what allowed him to be so, so successful last night. For long stretches, he was on um, Jeremy Grant or Patrick Patterson, who both did have decent nights. One shot six of nine, one shot five of eight. Um, but he's not on Paul George. He's not on Carmelo Anthony. So he's he's allowed to be, and, and this puts him, I think, in the best possible position, the the help defender, which I think is the best possible spot for him to be. As a primary defender, he's, he's pretty solid. Um, he makes plenty of rookie mistakes. I'm never going to beat up on a rookie for making defensive mistakes because that's, that's the hardest part to learn being as far as the basketball right, stuff. Right, because he's a rookie playing defense, so yeah, exactly. that's pretty good. <laughs> yeah, no, just the fact that you're playing defense is fine by me. Um, and I, and I'm not going to beat up on Zach or anybody otherwise. Just, just give me the effort. If you're going to make the mistake, make it 110%. Like, if you're going to foul somebody, don't, don't, don't give me the knickknack stuff. Smack the hell out mm-hmm. of him. I'm, I'm totally cool with that. Um, but the, the, if you're looking for that, like one shining light or the one thing that I really like about Zach Collins, and uh, I think I've been pretty consistent with this is that as a help side defender, because he's long and because he moves his feet pretty well, he can come over and alter a lot of shots and, and make people think about coming inside. Um, he can cover a lot of ground he, he in can. that last minute and a half of the game. He was the help play on Paul George was spectacular. He was flying around and yeah. that was, I thought that was impressive and it did not look like the kind of like undirected flying around. It looked like he was moving with purpose. Yeah, no. And I think you, to Collins's credit, and I don't know if this is the scouting report, which I mean, it should be, or if the coaches are basically telling him help inside, help inside, help inside. Because the Thunder were 6 of 27 from 3. Paul George is 0 for 7. Russ is 1 for 5. Like, nobody's, nobody's hitting threes for that team. So if you're going to leave somebody, leave Patrick Patterson, leave Jeremy Grant, um, that's, we'll, we'll deal with it kind of a deal, right? So mm-hmm. um, whatever it was, he did what he needed to do, and he helped inside. He stuffed Paul George twice. Um, he altered Westbrook's shot. And Westbrook, took, Westbrook in traditional Westbrook fashion took some of the most horrendous shots I've seen. Um, he had a, uh, I think it was like three minutes ago, he took a three from a couple feet behind the line when he had Collins isolated on the perimeter. And I was like, I, that was a really dumb shot. I just love playing against that. I love it when the Blazers play against that team because like, just He's within gonna melt down. Um, two minutes of the game, they're inside his head. Yeah. And, I mean, I really like Russell Westbrook as a player, and I especially love it when he comes to Portland and they just, like, pick him apart. <laughs> yeah, you can, you can sit there and we're, you can sit there and, like, pick the points where he's going to melt down. You can see yeah. it coming. It's like you can, somebody yeah. just goes over on the sideline, lights the fuse, and you're like, ah, give it about three more possessions. He's going to do something really stupid. And, like, clockwork, here's a 35-footer with 20 seconds on the clock. And you're like... What are you doing, you colossal idiot? Like, you had the switch against a rookie who you could easily take off the dribble, but instead you opted for that shot. Contrast that with 41-year-old Vince Carter when the Blazers played the Kings the other day. When Vince Carter saw Zach Collins on him, he just licked his chops. And he he didn't get all athletic and lathered up. He just used as veteran savvy to make him look stupid. A guy like Russell right. Westbrook with that athleticism, his his basketball IQ and his understanding of the game should see Zach Collins on the perimeter and go, I'm going to eat you alive. But he doesn't 
because he's Russell Westbrook and he gets in his own head every time he plays Portland. It's, it's, it's the wildest thing I've ever seen. It's, it's pretty impressive how it happens like, like clockwork every game. Um, I want to say a couple more things about Collins because I mean, it was his best game so far. So it deserves, it deserves recognition. And uh, he, he made his, you know, he made his presence known on defense and you know, that's what's the thing that for years we've all been wanting on the trailblazers. It's somebody that we could rely on for defense. And, you know, we've got, you know, we've had a We know Ed Davis can play defense. We know Turner can play defense. We know as a team, they've been playing much better, but I just, I don't think that should uh, go unnoticed that, you know, afterwards when he was asked about how his game was the first thing, he, you know, when he, he what, asked what he was happier about, he was happier about his defense. This kid has a, div, a, a defensive mindset and he's had a really hard time hitting his shots all year, but they started to fall. And I think that's going to, you know, give him confidence. It's going to move him along. Um, let's see what else about him. I was going to say something else um, about him because I think, I think what you're getting at is that, or maybe you're not, but this is what I would say <laughs> is I think it's great for people to get excited for him for having a great game. And I would caution people about not getting too excited because we don't want it to like, if, if he can't follow that up right away, we don't want people to be Eat so let down yeah, that that's, it that's reflects back thing. on him. But I love his attitude. That's the other thing I was going to say. Like his attitude is like, he does get mad at himself, but that somehow that doesn't make him screw it up. That makes him more focused and better. I mean, like when he scro- screwed up on one end, he was able to get back the, the, all the way just, down to the other end. I was actually just going to say that. The, the, the post-entry pass that he attempted, the collective— The one that gro- he threw right to the other team. Yeah, the collective groan, screaming, yelling. Like if, I mean, if it was Philadelphia, we, we, we were at the bar. We were at Spirit of 77. There's probably th- like 250 people in there. It was packed shoulder to shoulder, right? If we were in Philadelphia, they would have thrown batteries at the TV. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was yeah. The, the the play was so stupid and so horrendous. It was like, how do you? How are you in the NBA? That was like the collective okay, calm feeling. Calm down, Dan. No, I mean, it was calm t- down. It was other people no, have done stupid no, no, no. things too. Dan is not the only no, person in a clutch game to do something no. that stupid was amazing. But here's the thing. <sighs> He came that is back way too hyperbolic. Oh no, no, no! It was just hold on a second. He threw okay, a it pass was a bad idea. to I a player. I saw it was a bad idea. No. He did not execute the pl- the right play. He did not execute it the right way. But it, it is not the worst thing that anyone has ever done. It, the only thing that I could think of right there that would have been a worse decision was what the Phoenix Suns did in the the closing moments against the Blazers with the Blazers with the five second call and not getting the ball inbound. Like there was no reason. The Blazers Ron, had one of those earlier in the year. Yeah, and, but well. I mean, we're talking about like colossally boneheaded plays. Like that was really it, bad. But here's it was the thing: a rookie mistake. Here's the thing. Let me get to it. As stupid as that was, he comes back on the other end and makes a massively huge defensive play to vacillate between those two that. things to go from just enormously bad decision-making and not only decision-making, but to think that that was the play to make right there. Cause it, posting up CJ McCollum is never the right idea. Like I don't understand why that thought went into his head. So there were, there was a couple things in there where it just had me 
stumped. But instead of freaking out about it, he gets pissed off and gets back on defense and makes a tremendous play. And that kind of goes to what you're talking about with the mentality and how, he, yes, he's angry at himself, but he's angry at himself in a way that I'm going to make the right play. It's, the, it's, it's the productive. Com- it's the complete opposite of Westbrook. Where Westbrook <laughs> makes something a really stupid play, and instead of you know compensating for it or or, or you know making up for it, he doubles down on stupidity, mm-hmm. and you can see it happen uh, against Portland right. specifically. For Collins, when he makes those really bad mistakes, and he doesn't make a ton of them, that to me that may have been the biggest mistake I've seen him make this season. Um, he's made some yeah. other where I know you've like, been keeping track. I have, and he he's had some where. Um, I remember one play because I I remember writing it down because it blew me away. Where he he completely missed the pass. Like he's looking at the ball, and it was kind of like you know uh, sports bloopers where the ball just like went in right between his hands and like hit him in the chest, and he had like giant oven mitts on and couldn't grab the ball. Um, and those kind of things happen. It's 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 that's rookie stuff, but. To make the correction, to make the right play, I think that speaks more for him in the positive than making that stupid of a mistake, if that makes sense. Yes, it was very generous of you to say, Dan. <laughs> no, but I, I, to me, the way the takeaway from that game was it was really great to get a glimpse of what Collins could be or can be. And once he's fully developed, I am under no illusion that now that he's had one nice game that he's done, I am in no under no illusions that we're going to get, you know, 12 and five. I'm under no illusions that 12 and five is like what we would be happy with as a ceiling for him in the next three years. But what I would say is that there were a lot of positive things in a game that was meaningful in minutes that were meaningful that, you know, there's a lot of things that the Blazers can look forward to. And when we've been talking about the only way, the only way the Blazers can change right now, because we've talked to, you know, about the free agency situation and about the draft situation. (laughs) We've talked about all of that. We've talked about all of that. Like to the point that there's nothing else to say about it anymore. So internal that leaves us with the only internal choice. development. There it is. That leaves us there. And you know what? If things could develop, we don't know if it is, but what's wrong with giving people hope and having hope that, you know, at least for the end of the season that we can make a decent run in the playoffs. You know, in December, we were wondering if we were even going to, some people were wondering if we were even going to make it. So I think it was a very positive thing and I was really happy to see him and I was really happy to see him be very mature about it and for everybody to be really happy for him about it. And I look forward to hopefully, you know, some more glimpses of this before the end of the year and maybe even into the playoffs. We'll see how things go. Yeah, but I, I don't think the expectations are going to the... be any different for him. And I think that's that's the right. way people need to treat it. Yeah, and I think we, we we all just, you know, I think it's good to remind ourselves of that. But it's also good to celebrate when things Absolutely. go well. Absolutely. Yeah, no, he, he plays spectacularly. not dwell on, you know, typical rookie mistakes. Like he's like somehow more guilty of any other rookie who's fallen off. You know, there's plenty of rookies out there who started off amazing who are like, where are they now? You know, it's like it's a. It's a, it's a flex. It's, you know, with their rookies, you never know what you, you don't really know what you're going to get all the time. So, but I do have a question about something I've noticed over, especially last game. There were some lineups up there where I was like, 
what is going on? I've not seen this lineup yet this year. And in particular, I'm talking about like the parade of big men. And I don't know if it was because we were playing, they were playing against Steven Adams and they, they thought that that would be one way that they could, you know, frustrate him and, and, you know, try to keep him on his toes. But we saw Myers last night, a couple of short, effective shifts Mm -hmm. we saw you know because i guess because of uh no mo um you know we saw more shabazz and we saw more Connaughton. but we had nurkic and collins out there together we had collins out there with myers most importantly we had collins out there with no ed davis so one thing I was kind of surprised by that because I thought with this final stretch with every one of these games being so massively important that like Terry Stotts would have like shored up his rotation, but suddenly we were seeing Never. new things last night. What, I, what's up with that? What do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah. I, I love professor Stotts. He, he's always tinkering. He, he's there's, there's plenty of new school in him, but there's some old school too. And that's, that's, I think that's always been true with Stotts. And when the, the team was struggling and he was trying to find something to stick, people were like, why don't you stick with something? Like, rah, 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 which was ignorant because the team was playing like crap. Right. I mean, that, and then he found something that worked and now, now he's messing around with it again. Well, <laughs> he, he had no Harkless, so he had to tinker. Mm-hmm. Harkless has been but, a spark plug I mean, recently, so why not try something? And, and Oklahoma City presents some unique opportunities. Okay. You have Russell Westbrook who wants to get to the rim endlessly for all the things that people want to say about Myers Leonard. What is he still at his core? He's still seven foot one, 270 pounds. What is it? Very, very nice shifts. What is it very hard to do over a guy that big finish inside? Shoot. (laughs) So there's another one of those questions. I didn't know where you wanted to go with it. No, at at bare (laughs) minimum, he's very difficult to score on inside. And at bare minimum, mm-hmm. he's going to wrestle with Stephen Adams. I mean, Stephen Adams wants to play physical. Myers Leonard wants to be physical. So let them both go in there and wrestle. That's fine. That, that's, that's great. Um, Collins got extended minutes at the four and even at the five at some, at some points. Um, and that's because of the, what the Thunder wanted to do. Uh, they are very, very, very much built around Russell Westbrook. And everything Russell Westbrook wants to do is to get downhill. Zach Collins is uniquely able, as far as this roster is concerned, to be able to be out on the perimeter and contest a shooter out there in the corner and close in and help inside. I mean, it looked like he had specific instructions to leave shooters. Help inside, help inside. Russell Westbrook is trying to win this by himself. Screw everybody Mm -hmm. else. Deal with Westbrook and Paul George at the rim. If they want to, sh- if Russell, if Russell Westbrook wants to shoot, let him shoot. If Paul George wants to shoot, don't <laughs> stay on him. Uh, and I, I think those were the the key areas as far as how they looked um, defensively last night. So, I mean, there's there's just there was just a lot going on in that particular matchup that allowed for other guys to be successful. Pat Connaughton didn't have the biggest game. But I think he was huge as far as energy plays. He missed all three of his threes. And the thing was, like, all three of the threes were, they were the right shot. They looked good. And they were in in rhythm in the offense. And when you're, even if you're missing those shots, if you're taking those shots, everybody's everybody's just kind of like picking each other up. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. They they, want to get behind that. 
so we we talked about how you know Damian Lillard has been so spectacular as of late, but I think the the big difference between you know or the big reason behind why they're doing well right now is because these role players have found their roles. They've figured out what it is they're supposed to do. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about some of the role players and how uh, how they've been playing. I'm really conflicted about Mo about whether or not he's found his groove. I don't think he'll ever because, find his groove because his groove only lasts for four or five games. So do you think that's it? He just isn't, he's just he's not someone who can sustain it. No. it, it, it that's I mean, whether or not he's a starter or off the bench, yeah. because it was interesting because like when you look at his numbers as a starter, like if you look at his stats, his numbers across the board are pretty much better as a starter, but his plus minus is not. Well, Wait, I mean, his, I his numbers in general just aren't good. I mean, they, they're very yeah. mediocre, to say the least. Um, however, that's weighted much more heavily on the beginning of the season when he was a starter. And th- th- this isn't hyperbole by any means. His his numbers as a starter before he got benched were, were probably the worst of, of any starter in the NBA. I mean, it was, mm-hmm. it was bad. Um, but what you can't measure are the energy and hustle stats. And people mm-hmm. are trying to, and the, there are ways that are obviously private, but... Um, the publicly available data doesn't really capture that. And we've seen over the past couple of weeks, as he's gotten more time, that energy, effort, and hustle be there. And we can all see it. We can feel it. The team feeds off of it. Uh, the Blazers have been much more productive in the open court and the fast break offense, because, particularly because of Harkless. Mm-hmm. Um, so the, the Blazers, when they get that, they are there. That is another... Um, element to their team that they just don't have without him. They just don't have a, a stable of six foot eight guys who run the floor. Bo Harkless is basically mm-hmm. it. The, the next guy on that list is Pat Connaughton. And he's a, a mm-hmm. six foot five guy. Six five. There's, there's a difference between finishing in traffic. Um, and Patty C had one of the nicest finishes of the year last night. I got to highlight that one. He had the, uh, the floating finger roll off the top of the glass mm. in traffic. Oh, yes. That was absolutely yes. beautiful. Uh, and again, those were the energy plays that I think that Pat Ponton was making last night. He came in off of one of those threes off the wing. He felt it come off. And normally, you, you know the old adage of follow your shot. No, you don't follow your shot. Never follow your shot. Unless you're Pat Connaughton or, or Damian Lillard. <laughs> Pat Connaughton right. went in and took Russell Westbrook's rebound away from him, which was mwah. Because, you know, mm-hmm. the, the Thunder like to let Westbrook rebound the ball to get his triple doubles. <laughs> right. that, that's a real thing, yeah. folks. And Pat Connaughton said nope. He said nope, took the cookies and went up with it. And it was just... It was poetry in motion. And any trolling yeah. of Russell Westbrook, I, I highly endorse. Um, yeah. But I think letting Pat Connaughton make those plays is purely because he's on the floor. Like every time Pat mm-hmm. is on, I mean, he had the other, the, uh, the play he's had where. He's a difficult shooting slump. He is. But I think he finds other ways. There was a play where CJ McCollum stayed down on a, def- on, on a, on a post up move and forced the kick out. And Pat saw basically what was coming, that CJ was going to deny what the, the offensive player wanted to do and that the kickout was coming. He shot the gap and stole the ball and took off on the fast break. It was, it was absolutely beautiful, heady basketball, and that's the kind of thing you can do when you're, you're comfortable and the energy is flowing. Everybody's kind of feeding off each other, and you know what your teammates are going to do, and that's, that's the role-player trickle-down effect, if you will, I think, that you get from the confidence of knowing 
what Damian Lillard's going to give you night in, night out. Of course, I say that as he had his worst game in weeks last night. Um, still finished with 20 well, and 7, but... Um, it, it looks to me like they have their... their they're they're playing the playbook like there's there's certain plays that have become really effective and I don't know how much longer they're going to be able to do them because I figure someone's going to be able to figure them out but there's one that I've been seeing a lot lately Isaiah who's one of the writers for Blazers Edge and I were talking about it uh Blazers Edge night the one where CJ makes a beautiful run all the way around the arc and whoever's passing it to him passes it to space rather than passing it to him and it always looks like they're going to pa- they're going to catch it and he and sometimes I think Pat Connaughton catch it too but it's this beautiful play that if I was the other team, like, I'd be like, yeah, we got to shut that one down <laughs> because it, it's just, it's a real, because of how, you know, how nice it is. It really gets everybody going when they make it, especially when he, cause he's like running and catching into space all at this and shooting all at the same time. And when it goes in, that's like, that really gives everybody life. So it surprises me that uh, other teams are letting them get away with it. But I, I feel like they have, they're comfortable with the playbook. Now they're comfortable with the plays that they're running. And maybe it's just my eye is seeing them better, but I mean, do you feel like they're running plays now or does it look like to you? Like they're just, they're in flow. I mean, I think when date, maybe when Damien is the one who's got the ball in his hands, it's flow. But when maybe when the role players or the other people who aren't Damien Lillard have the ball, that they're the ones who are going back to the playbook. I don't know. What do you think about that? I think there's an element of both to that. Um, I think Shabazz Napier and, and C.J. McCollum obviously are going to be guys that can dictate and play within the playbook. I mean, obviously so does Damian Lillard, but the amount of gravity that Damian Lillard has generated over the last couple of months has been staggering. The amount of defense that's de- that's dedicated to stopping him and to still, still see him be successful in those opportunities um, with or without the play, whether it's, you know, the, the flow offense and just making the reads or if there's an actual play um, going off. Because a lot of what the Blazers do, yes, they have a, a playbook, um, but they also don't have, or they, uh, a lot of it's off the, the, the read and react, the flow offense. So how they they generate their offenses is a lot of natural feel. And up until really a couple months ago, there were points where Yusuf Nurkic still didn't know all the plays and all the reads. Mm-hmm. And we talked about this a couple weeks ago and, and far as, mm-hmm. as far as how they react to that stuff. So the more they play with each other, the more comfortably they get, the more natural those reactions become, the quicker that they happen, um, then the Blazers' offense starts to, to get rolling. And I think a lot of that has been dictated by what Damien's been able to do um, as well as guys stepping up and knocking down shots, particularly Damian. Um, he, I think he's picked up the slack that, that allowed the role players who were struggling. Because remember, just a couple weeks ago, Shabazz Napier was struggling big time. Pat has struggled mm-hmm. big time. But on the other end of that, Yusuf Durkic has upped his production a ton uh, as far as efficiency. I mean, he was shooting in the low 40s there for a while, and he's back over the last couple of weeks. He's been around 54, 55 percent. Mm-hmm. So he's been dunking a ton over the. I, I was actually, I, I'm gonna get back to writing again. And one of the things I was gonna look at were how successful the Blazers were uh, as far as their their efficiency in the paint in games where Nurkic dunked. Mm-hmm. 
when he dunks. Because yeah. it's, it's been a rare occurrence until the last couple of games where he's had, like well, I want to say, like, he's averaged probably two and a half dunks a night. Um, like, over I swear, like last, I can hear like the neighbors games. cheering, too. It's just so... <laughs> Screaming at the TV. Like all, the love of God, dunk the ball. the city is like, dunk, he dunked. Yeah, no, but, but I mean, he's he's very effective. Ooh, I have a question. I have a, a, a question for you. Okay, um... Is a hammer, is that a one-handed dunk, or can that be a two-handed dunk? Because I always thought that when someone hammers it, when it's a hammer, it's a one-handed dunk. It looks like a hammer. The typical vernacular for hammer should be a one-handed dunk. I have seen people call it a two-handed dunk that they throw down. It's hammer time, throwing it down. But no, to to me and everybody else I've ever played with, talk to. Okay, a certain announcer... A couple of times last night called the two-handed dunks a hammer. And I was like, I was appreciating the fact that we were all excited because it was, it's, it's a throwdown. Two hand is, is a throwdown. Yeah. Thank you. Okay. I just wanted to make sure I wasn't, wasn't losing it there. So speaking of Nurkic, the last few games, Nurkic has played less than 20 minutes. And the last time that he played less than 20 minutes was that terrible game against the jazz. However, I feel like these weren't like, uh, you know, uh, he's playing less than 20 minutes because he's being punished. Yeah. I felt like. I felt like there's just sort of been like this understanding reached. I, I felt because he still was able to come back in and be effective. He didn't come back in and pout. He came back in and did what he needed to do. What do you think? Do you think that's a good thing to have Nurk? I mean, or what do you what do you have to say about that? I mean, Nurkic recently, um, and, and James Hollis, Donnie Drippen, put out a tweet about how effective Nurkic has been recently. Um, mm-hmm. Important's nine games, last nine games, they're eight and one, right? Well, in 24 mm-hmm. minutes a night, Nurkic is averaging 13 and 9 with, in, with shooting 52% from the field, and he's a plus 7.3 overall, or average, I should say. Mm-hmm. So in the 24 minutes a night, you're getting – think about that. 13 and 9, you're like, oh, that's pretty good. In 24 minutes, mm-hmm. that's, that's astounding production. So when he's on the Wait. floor, he's giving you something. How many minutes did it take Zach Collins to get his 12th? Uh, was it? <laughs> Let me look. It was twenty-eight. Let me look. Almost twenty-nine. Yeah, and he was five of six from the floor. So, again, astounding production in thirteen and nine. Four more rebounds and another point in uh-huh. five less minutes. If you're getting that every night, yeah. If Zach Collins gives you twelve and five in twenty-four minutes a night, he would move himself as well, as well as playing defense like he did last night, he'd move himself up into one of the best bench bigs in the league. So I, I think we mm-hmm. can go ahead and temper those expectations. <laughs> um, so anyway, back but, to Nurkic. But what Nurk has been able to do in those stretches on the floor is get as much done as humanly possible. And I think there's, I don't know if I don't want to call it an arrangement, so to speak, but the Blazers appear to, over the last couple of weeks, be giving Yusuf Nurkic the LaMarcus Aldridge treatment. What have the Blazers done to start pretty much every game over the last couple of weeks? It's Ooh, fe- I know the answer to this question. Which one is it? They they start off by running a play for Nurkic yes, so that ma'am. he can get the first shot. And, and then they've gone to it, and even, even if it's been the design, Nurkic hasn't taken it every single time. He's taken it, I think, probably more often than not. But I think it's to kind of get him going. And, and knowing that he's going to get 24 to 20 or 20 to 26 minutes – that when he's out there, let's use him. Let, let's get the most out of him. Let's not have him be out there just running up and down the floor. And I think that's a okay. really, really effective measure that a lot more teams in the NBA could use if, they're, if they have traditional centers on their team. Like, if you have a traditional center, use him. 
especially if you have right. a mismatch. Play him like the the guy who's the center of the attention. Like give run it through him because you have a traditional center out there. So in the minutes that he's there, have him exploit play center. the mismatch. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Yusuf Nurkic have him play tall man. Yeah, can dunk. exactly. I mean, Yusuf Nurkic as as a traditional center. How many guys in the league can really guard him when when he goes to work on the roll? There there just aren't that many people in the league that are big enough to handle him. Even the the, mm-hmm. the slim down Nurkic. So yeah, utilize that. And I think that that's been a very very effective strategy for Portland. Um, in in that same stretch of time, Ed Davis has been steady Eddie. He, he comes in, does his thing, checks out. He doesn't really blow up the stat sheet, but he's getting it done. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, the second part of that uh, James Hollis snotty dripping tweet was about um, the other role Ed players, Davis. right? And how you know it looks like their production is quite a bit less than Nurkic's. But I would still argue with Ed Davis that with even though his stats are not the impact really is much anywhere larger near, than just the stats, at least over the last this last stretch, stretch you know, uh, Nurkic was what did you say, thirteen, and Ed Davis is averaging you know five point nine points. Mm-hmm. He still has nine rebounds. But I would argue that in situations where other people aren't hitting their shots, Ed Davis keeps the team of you know he keeps the team afloat. I don't know that Nurkic does that so much because Nurkic goes as everybody else goes. So I think he's if, turned the corner defensively at least. Offense is still okay. up in the air, but defensively, I think he sets the tone on on the defensive side of the floor. He he is he is I think gotten to that point now where he realizes that if he doesn't do it at that end, there's mm-hmm. guys that are willing to. So there, so so there's three centers on the Trailblazers right now playing effective defense. <laughs> really? I'm, I'm not going to call Collins a center Collins. yet. I'm not going to call Collins okay. a center yet. He's matchup okay, center. He's, he's, he's a matchup center. He's a big. Center. Yeah, okay, big so I can go three. with. Yeah. Uh, and then, then that's a luxury to have. And then if you, if you throw right, Aminu you into that too. Aminu into there. Yeah. I mean, really. Well, then no wonder let's, the Blazers let's talk, are playing pretty yeah, good defense this well, year. <laughs> exactly. Here's the other thing, and this is, I had somebody, again, we were talking about Lillard as a top 10 player and, people hopping in on Twitter saying Clay Thompson's better. And it's like, no, he's not stop. And that somebody who mm-hmm. was a, uh, a, a fan of another team hopped in and he's like, Hey, I'm, I just want to know, like how, how much is he giving away? How much is Damian Lillard giving away defensively this year? And I would argue that he's not giving anything away. I, I, I don't think he's a plus, a, a, a true positive or a plus defender, but I don't think he's a negative anymore. I think he's just, mm-hmm. it's a push, which is all. Right. I think You're not going to put him out to play defense. Yeah, but no, he's fine. But I think if you put him on an Island against a player one-on-one, he's the kind of competitor where you're, you're at least anticipating that he's going to come out on top in the long run. Mm-hmm. And I think that's all or anybody he's ever do something asked. smart by like, you know, if they're going to get past him, he's going to channel him into somebody else or do exactly. something smart about it. And I think that's all anybody's ever asked of Damian Lillard. And if, if mm-hmm. that's your quote unquote worst defender now, the, 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 it's not surprising that the Blazers are, are a better defensive team. And I think these last couple of games have really gone to show that. And this is, I think what everybody expected this season was give the effort on that end and then find a way to, to continue doing your, or, you know, running your offense. Um, mm-hmm. And that's that defense is think about this over the last couple of games. How many um, times have you felt like Portland was ever out of the game when they were down? I, I didn't, I had these almost like, even when all. they were down. Right. 
And that, yeah, that's, no, that's, I, that's the defensive intensity, possession in, possession out. They aren't taking right. – and this is something that we talked about a couple months ago. Remember when we said – or when we talked about how knowing when to take a possession off mm-hmm. and not having everybody kind of do it at the same time because it right. leads to those big runs? Uh-huh. Asking every NBA player to play every single possession defensively at 100% is not a reality that exists. Mm-hmm. Guys take plays off. You get tired. It happens. It's about knowing when and where and how to do that and not completely checking out for possessions at a time. And I think mm-hmm. the Blazers have found that sweet spot of knowing when to really compete and when you really need to lock it in. And I that's mm-hmm. translated into success on both ends. And that's what I think has led to how well Portland has played over the past few weeks. I, I think I think one of the things that we've seen out of them recently, at least like since the beginning of the year, is the you know at the beginning of the season they proved that they could play defense. They've gone back to playing offense, and then they can turn on the defense when they need to. It's not the the central foundation. Like they're not known as a defensive team right now, but when they need to play it, they can play it. And I think that's something that they haven't had in the last couple of years, which kind of brings me to like where I wanted to sort of wrap up tonight. Um, Damian Lillard said that he thinks that this team is playing the best that they have in uh, the last couple of years. Do you think that's true? And And if so, how much better do you think that they can get? It's kind of fun to, to have this discussion because it means the team's improved. Um, and also it kind of lends a, a theory to like, a, like a, the best possible existence. First of all, yes, I think this is the, the best that they've played post LaMarcus. And I think it's clear. Um, I think they're playing better basketball right now than they did during Nurkic Fever. I think that was – what happened last year was kind of lightning in a bottle where this is more of a – they developed into this. Yes, like and I think this is more the, the new are, reality. Are applying what they've learned. Uh huh. And, and it's it's a little scary to say that because that just means it's you know it's it, yeah, it's that, that much again, further. Because I was talking over it. Go ahead. I'm giving you fully the mic to say what you just said. No, I, I think that this is more of the new reality for this team. Um, and in, because I like to be negative about things, <laughs> I don't think it can go a whole lot higher. I think there's certainly room for growth among other guys. But, again, having all 10 guys in your rotation that are all firing at all cylinders at all times almost never happens. There's always somebody who's playing a little bit off um, or, or not at 100%. So um, to see how who's successful – Who's got the biggest – Who's got the most room to grow? Is that where you're going with this? Yeah. Yeah. Um, Who's got the biggest potential for another gear? I think like we've been talking obviously about. the easy answer is the rookie in Collins, but I think Nurkic presents mm-hmm. the most likely candidate because I think he has mm-hmm. more inclination and more right to the ball, if that makes sense. Like in, as far as the pecking order goes, well, Nurkic. Well, and he's er- also got more opportunity. With yeah, exactly. Multiple things that he can do. Exactly, and it's not that it's not that shortchange Collins. I think he can do some things certainly. Um, but I think he's still a long ways off as far as, um, being that guy now in two, three years, maybe he is. And then that's something that Portland's going to be able to draw from. Mm -hmm. But in, in here's again, credit to Damian Lillard. I wasn't sure if he had that one more gear. Like we we talked about like how much more can he, he found one more gear. That's, that's Mm -hmm. nuts to me. I think CJ is what CJ is at this point in time, which is a phenomenal scorer. 
a mm-hmm. solid playmaker and a near two-way guard. Like he's he's almost mm-hmm. there to where he like he, night in night out defensively he's he's a he's a good dude on that end of the floor too, um, and I think that that's that's as good as you're gonna get basically from those two, which is fifty five to sixty a night, which is nuts. Um, mm-hmm. Do you think that Aminu has another gear? Because I don't. I think this is this this guy's a damn good player, and this this is basically what you're where you're hoping for from him forty percent. You know, spectacular rebounder for his position, uh, premier defender, and just being a reliable guy. I mean, I know mm-hmm. I know Aminu's your beautiful butterfly, but mm-hmm. do you think there's a full gear in him left? Uh, no, I mean, I think that you know maybe he could be more reliable game to game with mm-hmm. his shooting, but I mean, I think he is. I think he is what he is. Yeah, I mean, and I think Ed which Davis is a damn is good what player. He is. And, and both of those things are wonderful. Yeah. Um, but I think that they are what they are. And I think that they are, I think they're, they're close to maximizing the value of who they are and what they do. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, and I think when everybody is playing to their highest potential they're I think they're a really good team. I mean, I, I don't think they're, you know, the, the, the top echelon, but I think they're a team that can give just about anybody a run for their money if if they're all firing on all cylinders, which, you know, is exciting for a team that going into the year, we were also wringing our hands over, you know, how they didn't get any better. And, you know, even recently the trade deadline, oh, they didn't get any better. You know, I think they've done a, they have done a lot with internal development and you know, it's nice to see it all coming together. And I think Terry Stotts must be the most patient person in the entire world. (laughs) (laughs) I just, he's been just, I mean, how do you, how do you drown out the noise that he must hear all the time everywhere he goes from people telling him what he should be doing with his team? (laughs) And, you know, he's just gone about trying to maximize everything with everybody. Let's see if I, I think Nurkic probably has the most, room for obviously uh uh collins too but like you said that's it's, that's it's an opportunity it's an opportunity cost kind of a deal that you have to- it's possible that maurice harkless might i think in the Talent right wise, i think it's the, it, the opportunity is there but whether mm-hmm. or not he really wants it i mean it's it's mm-hmm. rare for a guy at his age to find that extra gear if he hasn't shown it in four years and I think Shabazz, if he had the opportunity to play, but I don't know how much opportunity he's going to get to play before here. he here. Exactly. Yeah. I, I would love so, so, so much to keep him. I think if the Blazers could keep him for the next, for next year, he would show us another gear. Yep. I, I if the Blazers are able, I, I, but I just don't think that that's very possible. So opportunity like is really the, the biggest question here. I think there are guys that certainly are showing capability, but the opportunity to be successful, and that's – it's strange when you consider Portland because there's you, you look at the roster and you say outside of Damon Lillard and, and C.J. McCollum, there's plenty of opportunity. But in the same token, the guys that they have still have question marks so that the opportunities are are limited because guys haven't shown that they can deliver on it. So it's it's kind of a double-edged sword. But I think just I'll just like, say that I'm fine that we didn't get mellow. <laughs> I think it would have been fun. 
um, for, for a lot of other reasons, but, um, I don't know. I just like, I just like watching this team develop, you know, it is what it is and they're, they're playing well. They're even if they could just play even a little bit outside of themselves, I think they could, we could have a really exciting run here and it's just nice to see it. It's nice to see it coming to fruition. Yeah, and I think the um, the, the the thing here is that as fun as this is, as great as this is, what does it mean in the long run? And I, I saw a lot of comments on um, the last couple of articles on Blazer Judge. There's been a lot of people like, why can't you just enjoy this? Why can't you enjoy this? I think there's a lot of people here that are certainly like me and are enjoying the play right now, but in the back of their head, you're wondering what's it all mean? What's it worth in the long run? And you know, how much is this going to factor into the Blazers a year from now, two years from now? Um, and I think those are both valid positions. Um, I, I would just say that, yeah, I enjoy this, uh, look forward to, to what's possible and what's coming, but also, um, realize that there are still a lot of question marks and, and that that's both, promising and terrifying at the same time for a Blazers fan. Right. And I think that they're just because they're playing better right now doesn't um, validate or invalidate questions or concerns that were there a couple months ago. You're, you're, they're just finally, I think getting to the point where a lot of people expected them to be. And a lot of that has also been around some things that they can't control. And for, at least for me, I'm glad to see that this team is finally taking advantage of positions that they, they are in that they can't control, such as injuries to other players on other teams, and taking advantage of those. There was not a more frustrating point in this season than watching this team get waxed by opponents missing their best players. Repeatedly. All right. So, I'm just glad... I'm, I'm just glad to see players playing their best and playing well. I mean, that the, the thing that was hardest for me to watch earlier on was when players were out there and not, not playing as well as you know that they can play watching Nurkic out there, you know, giving those floppy little tosses up to the thing, um, you know, watching Harkless not engaged in what he was doing, watching Harkless and, or watching Shabazz and Connaughton struggle. I just like watching players playing up to their potential and, you know, being everything that, that we know that they can be and like conveniently doing it at the same time and at the right time of year. <laughs> and that's, that's the best thing. That's what I think is really enjoyable about this whole, this whole process right now. We said you have to come out, the, you know, they, we were also upset because they didn't come out, you know, out the gate and build up this big giant lead. But I'm pretty happy that right now, if they're catching fire, it's going to be right now rather than have come out, you know, really on, you know, fantastic. And then have everybody figure out by Christmas, figure you out by Christmas. Always the positive. That's right, Dan. That is right. So I think we should end it. I think we should end it on on that Boo. note. All right, fine. <laughs> so we, people can find me at TCB Biggs on Twitter. You can also write us emails. You got y'all got to write us some emails at blazersedgepod at gmail.com. We want to know what's on your mind and give us your you know complicated scenarios that we can uh, talk about and hash over because uh, we got this. Um, what do we have? The playoffs coming up. Hopefully, knock on wood. Get the playoffs. I wonder. Run. When the, 
I wonder when the earliest that could all be decided is. Oh, I mean, the I magic numbers. No, Matt Moore, the hardwood glass. floor season. He's he's been running the magic numbers, and it's still okay. Well, we'll go into so that next week. Tight. Yeah, so we, it still might be April 6th, and we might still be wringing our hands wondering if the Blazers are in. Oh, it's so just, the last it's... three games are going I'm to be I'm not even looking at the No, no, the last three games either. are going to be seeing the Steelers. I, I, I'm very confident in that. Yeah, um, but I mean, like, just in the playoff deciders. Oh, yeah. That's still going to be way off. <laughs> anyway, where can people find you, Dan? You can find me on Twitter, at DMarang, on Instagram, the same, pretty much everywhere else. Obviously, on non-game nights during the regular, or during the season, uh, during the week, Monday through Friday, you can find me on NBC Sports Northwest at 7 p.m. with Shane Brennan and Joe Simons on Blazers Outsiders. And, uh, yeah, you can find me also back to writing a few things here in the next couple weeks. So, um, go ahead and prepare your brains for more stat overload and videos and clips and all that good stuff. So, that'll be fun. I think they better let me edit these. You want no part of this, trust me. <laughs> there, there, there's a reason why Dave edits all my stuff. All right. Thanks for listening. See ya. <laughs>